Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Raw Knuckles Podcast. I just want to thank each and every one of our faithful listeners uh, for their support. It means the world to us, and we couldn't go on without you. So keep listening to the Raw Knuckles Podcast, and thanks again, everybody. Nyland going ballistic. He's a freaking madman. I'm Chris Nyland, and this is the Raw Knuckles Podcast. Um, and you know what? We might as well, and I, I always like addressing the elephant in the room, so we might as well start with the brawl in the hall, right? Yeah, where's my shirt? That should be the elephant in the room. Where the fuck's my shirt? Knuckles versus the rat. Now, <laughs> yeah. it's funny, Jamie, you know, we're always thinking of trying to come up with stuff for the website, and we were talking about things to do, and we did the... Um, the Friday massacre, the battle of Quebec, right? We had that good yep. Friday brawl, that crazy fucking brawl that we had. And then the brawl in the hall because it made such a big stink in Boston. So let's get back to that. And I want to get to that. And I remember that night, the shit that happened, a great rivalry between two original six teams. And, you know, Fuck, I didn't trust you. No one fucking trusted you. And sure, no one trusted me, and I get it. But yeah. I'm coming off the ice, and every time I come off the ice in Boston, Tim, you know, I go through the runway there. I, I have a fight or something. I did something crazy, and people throw beers and fucking pizza, everything at you, right? So I'm coming off. It, and you have, to come by, you have to come by our bench. Which is stupid. <laughs> yeah. to right. What do you think's going to happen? Yeah. So I'm heading over and I'm just fucking fired up. The adrenaline is just running through my veins. And Kenny's standing up on the end of the bench. He turned it, he stood up and I'm going, fuck this. What's he going to do? And I said, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to fucking Shit. crack him before anything. So I threw a shot at him. And as soon as I threw the shot, um, people grabbed at me, but I slipped on the the um, the rubber mat. You know how they're all wet there? And I slipped like that. And then the rat came after me. And down the <laughs> hall we went, and we all rolled out into the hallway. And he fucking scratching at me. I remember I, I saw the replay after. I have a big scratch down here. I'm mean, you fucker. I'm... Uh, <laughs> What is it from your point of view that night? I want to hear it. Well, first off, what uh, what pissed you off on the ice when you're getting kicked out? Do you remember what happened? Yeah. Um, I, before I when I... Was, well, what happened, uh, you know... There was a little altercation, and, and Jay ended up with Chelios somehow at the beginning. And I was trying to get to Chelios to get him off, and I got grabbed by Boutillier, who's not a fighter. And I right. told him, let, let, let go of me. And he said, I can't, I can't. I said, let go of me. I'm going to fucking drop you. And then I threw a shot at him. I almost – I missed him. I just grazed his jaw. If I ever hit him, I would have caved his – facing but and then it went crazy i got kicked out jay wants to get me cuckoo curran wants to get me everybody and so i'm 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 amped up so i i'm looking at you coming off the ice and i'm like he's gonna do something i can tell how fired up you are and jeff Corton, you know i always sat on the end of the bench because i had such long legs you know uh, <laughs> because <laughs> uh, I needed to stretch him out but <laughs> Jeff Cornell came from the other end of the bench because he knew you were going to do something and he was right behind me so I stood up because I wasn't going to get punched in the head sitting there and sure enough sure enough <laughs> you did something everybody everybody you know just just insinuated that I said something to you I feel like the league probably even looked into it and I definitely I mean, there was no point in saying anything to you. I didn't need to get you fired up. But Well, I asked him before. I was like, what did he say to you? He's like, he looked at me. That's all <laughs> yeah. he said. He looked at me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to turn the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see a picture here. And the Philly picture, you got a little rat in your shoulder. Um, we we got to get to the bottom of it. Because a lot of people don't know, where does the nickname the rat come from? 
came from uh, Bobby Clark, actually, who I yeah. just saw a couple weeks ago in Philly. It looked good. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was a combination of the way I was bent down skating and, you know, the way I played. And uh, it, uh, it fit like a glove. Unfortunately, I encouraged it instead of discouraged it. So now, you know, some guy, uh, some man is introducing his son to me and, you know, says, oh, here's the rat, you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's people try and say, try and say there's some positive spin to it. I don't <laughs> see one, but, uh, everybody in Philly had a nickname there. Uh, I don't know if it was like that in Montreal, but you know, all those Flyers guys that won the cups, every single one of them had a nickname and, uh. What was crazy was I was dating the owner's daughter there, and she uh, she wanted to get a tattoo, and we went out to get tattoos, and I, I don't even think I was going to get one, but somehow I ended up with a little rat on, with skates on on my uh, on my shin, which you can't tell what it is anymore, thankfully. But it's faded from more. Her dad came in and wanted to. Uh, <laughs> kill me because if you're Jewish you can't uh, get a tattoo and be buried in a cemetery I'm like wait it wasn't my idea <laughs> uh, so you know you first well I want to get back to Kingston growing up what, you, how many would you have four brothers and a sister yeah exactly and are you the oldest Kenny I am yep they're my sister you're the oldest so your sister's Sheila, and she was a pretty good athlete, right? And your brothers yeah. all played junior hockey. And dad, uh, who you just recently lost last year um, uh, in Kingston, was a big part of Kingston, the commissioner there of uh, public works, was it? Yeah, very good, yeah. For all those years. Um, I read the article on him, and he had a lot to do with changing the structure of that city and the one-way streets, uh, he he was big part of bringing the Kingston Canadians, the young Nats, and all that, right? So your dad was really big into hockey, huh? He actually, uh, so he played at St. Mike's with uh, Frank Mahovlich and Dickie Duff, and was uh, Montreal's. I don't know if they drafted him or how that all worked back then, but the uh, he was a right winger, and the three guys on on the right wings there all ended up in the Hall of Fame. Anyways, he, you know, he got a degree in engineering and I think at that point you could make, you know, as good a living in engineering as probably most hockey players unless you were a star. So anyways, he, uh, he came from Toronto to Kingston and uh, started working for the city and making babies. And he yeah. was involved with the... Um, with the semi-pro team there, senior league, whatever it was, the Kingston Aces, I think. Um, and I guess he was on the ice all the time, and I wanted to get out there with him. So I was on skates at, at 18 months, but it was mostly because I wanted to be out there with him. But Did he encourage, like, the rat? Did he like that you were, you played that style? Or that, <laughs> I don't think from? that was ever a conversation. <laughs> he used to well, tell me, though, he used to say, go take a stupid penalty quick because then you'll play really well to make up for it. <laughs> well, it's funny. I wonder if the apple falls far from the tree because it, it, here's a quote I read uh, about your dad. <clears throat> uh, Bennett uh, talks about him. He said, uh, Mr. Lindsman was a guy who was determined to get his way. He was a very focused man. Kind of reminds me of I the agree. son. Uh, I found Ken was very helpful to rookie counselors, um, and he would go out of his way to educate those young counselors. Mind you, he would try to educate them Ken's way. Now, oh, did God, the apple yeah. fall far from the tree? No, not in that sense. He, I mean, his, his dad was German and died young, like my mother died young, um, but he was a Rhodes Scholar. He was really bright. I think he remembered everything that he read, you know, one of, like, my daughter's like that. But, um, oh, man, he was way more hard-headed and intense than me, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, and it was funny that he, as he got dementia, his last 10 or 15 years, he just became sweeter and sweeter every day. And it was, it was really cute. You know, he, uh, he was very happy and happy to be alive and he, he didn't want to go. So I give him credit. He was fighting to the end. Yeah, that's a, well. The day my dad died was the biggest gut gut punch I ever had, and uh, yeah. honestly, I my mom is suffering. She's still alive. She's eighty eight. She got dementia. She's in a home, and it's just it's a tough disease to watch a loved one go through. There's no question. But um, so Kingston Canadians, great junior career. You get, get drafted. You want to um, leave. The draft year was twenty. You challenge the WHA. You end up going there. Birmingham Bulls, they had quite the tough team. Now, did you take advantage of any of that toughness around you at the time? No, no. You know what? We had Glenn, Glenn Sommer. Actually, I wanted to go back. You know, my uh, my family, my brothers and I, and I like telling Gretz this, uh, and, and somebody posted something on Facebook the other day. As a, as a family, we had more points in junior A than any family at all. Uh, you know, number one or something. Somebody posted that, but uh, uh, my dad would be quite proud to see that. I I, I just saw it um, funny recently, but um, no, I, you know what? They used to say, "Go, you know, go." They'd start me sometimes with three or four tough guys. I've actually been seeing Robbie fatorik has been coming to the games. He played for yeah. Cincinnati. That's where Paul Stewart was, and that was always a shit show. Um, yeah. But I was like, I was like, no, I, I don't need to purposely do something. It happens all by itself, you know. So I never did. I think you know, you watch Marchand. I watch Marchand. You can you can see if if the team's not doing well, if he or he's struggling. You know, you can just see him getting ready to snap, and you know, he's not. Uh, he's not purposely. He just can't help it, you know. And I, I think. That's that I couldn't help myself, you know, until I got suspended so many times that the next one was 16 games. I really had to stop, you know. Is that the kicking in, when the kicking in the head incident? I, I, brought, I asked no. Chris about the kicking in the head and right away he just relates to it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I tried to kick somebody once in the head. I was like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. That happened in junior okay. uh, in Ottawa. It was right around when they, I think it was, they were trying to arrest some players from the Flyers from a game in Toronto. But um, so two guys were fighting and then Ottawa's tough guy came over to me and started punching me and pushing me. And I just kind of stood there and laughed. And, and then the referee decided to, to kick me out of the game for being third and fourth man in a fight. And I lost my shit completely, jumped out of the box, called him out, and went wild. And, I mean, I think I bit him three or four times. I mean, he's probably 35 pounds heavier than me. And at some point, I'm kicking him. I ha He's down, and I'm kicking him right between the eyes. And thank God I, like, came to my senses in the middle of the kick and slowed down, or I might have killed him. Um, yeah. But but it hit an artery and blood was going everywhere and it was it was ugly. So anyways, I got charged with assault actually. It's funny. Not funny. I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know it was that it bad. Not much on it. Well, I, I mean, oh. it was just a little cut, but it hit the wrong place. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I was telling telling Tim the story when it, we had talked about that before we get on. I said, I tried to kick someone once, and I told him the story, Paul Baxter. You know, yeah. I tried to fight Baxi, and he turtled on me. And the referee grabbed me, and I was so pissed because he had stuck me in the eye, cut me. I tried to fight him. He wouldn't. He turtled. And I got him down, and he's covered up. And the linesman grabbed me and pulled me off. When he pulled me, I kind of kicked my skate out on purpose. It looked like I went off balance, yeah. and I just missed kicking him. And I, I missed yeah. him, thank God. But then I got in the penalty box, and I had ripped his helmet off. Then I got in the penalty box, and I looked down, and he's telling me, I'll give it to you in the other eye. That's when I leaned over and grabbed the puck, and I rifled it right off his head and cut him open right. for 10, 10 stitches. Like, and I'll never forget, uh, Ron Asseltine, 
uh, was there and he saw me do it and he goes, what are you out of your fucking mind? I said, yeah, I am out of my fucking And I was out <laughs> yeah. of the game like that. Of course, you got to be out of your mind to do that. Um, I, I don't think the average person cannot understand how guys can get there. And, and they just don't, but can you explain it? Uh, I mean, I, I really don't even know how to fight, I would say probably, but if I was getting in a fight or going to do something like that, I wasn't fighting like or going to play by the rules. I was trying to kill the person. Like if I got to that point, I was, you know, there completely out of my mind, which I think you, you probably could do that too, you know, where you just lost it and. Easily. Thank God, you know, thank God, some, you know, my head would, would persevere a little bit because, you know, I've never got in really bad trouble since that incident, you know, on or off the ice. But um, but there was plenty of potential situations for sure. So you're not a big guy, right, at the time uh, coming into the, the league and you just start, start in Maine, you played a bit, bit down there, you got great numbers, point-of-game player, point-of-game player really your whole career, which is incredible. That gets most guys in the Hall of Fame. But coming into the league, um, did you have a mindset like, listen, I'm a small guy here, you know how it was in junior Man, you got to protect yourself sometimes. You know you're going to get teammates there to protect you and help you, but sure. you also have to protect yourself. What, what is the agitation part that's sticking guys, the chirping guys? Like, was that a – how was that effective for you? You know, I, I think – you know, it, I guess I would pick on guys that I thought were vulnerable. Um or not, you know, like I would, I would never have picked on a Ricky Middleton or a Jean Martel or guys. Are you gonna make me really, feel bad now? You're gonna make that, me feel bad. That, <laughs> that were that were really actually very, you know, very tough, but they wouldn't hurt anybody, you know. Yeah. But but kind of class acts that were that were tough. So it was only people that I thought I could affect, maybe, or I, you know, I sensed that they really didn't have, you know, that big of balls or whatever it was. And, and, you know, I would do anything to win, you know, you know, during my career, especially earlier, I guess. But, um, so again, I don't know. It just, it was just natural. Yeah. There's nothing worse than like playing against, you know, cause you're being five eleven, but there's nothing like a Marshawn. It's like, he's really good, but you know, he's like, he's also a loose cannon. Like those are the worst guys to play against. Did you feel being at 5'11", like that height, like you actually kind of created some more room for yourself with that kind of character? It, you know, you, you could tell the guys that were nervous for sure. You know, I'm sure Chris could. Um, and it was amazing how much it would affect guys. And I was lucky because I was skilled and I could skate. So a lot of times I'd be playing against the other team's better centermen that wasn't aggressive but was really skilled. But, you know... I could kind of match them in skill and also disturb their game, you know, and stay with them. So, um, you know, I prided myself playing playing all over the ice for sure and doing whatever you could to help the team win. And now you did. There's no question. So you go to Philly, and, you know, I remember I was drafted in 78, um, last year or the 20-year-old draft. And I, I remember I wanted to leave and go to the Canadians and my father's there, stay in school, stay in school. And I listened to him and I stayed in. I had a shitty year in school. I had a, a decent year in hockey, but school I just forgot about. I mean, I want to play hockey. I didn't ever want to go to school. I just didn't. Yep. I was focused on playing hockey and I finally left the next year. And then that first year in Philly. And and I see you down there, this fucking guy. Who's this guy? And it, it caught my attention, no question. Smaller guy, but could fucking skate and could play the game. And, you know, it's funny. The word gets around the locker room. Watch out for this guy. He's this, that. He did this in junior. He's fucking dirty, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm talking to someone later, and they said, you know, that fucking Linsman guy is a sharp guy. He, he apparently invests in art, and he's a good investor, and he's smart with his – and I'm like, really? That just doesn't fit the M.O. And when I was, honestly, I just, I had a hard time to believe it. You know, how it's like 
guys like me get stigmatized, right? You know, you're a dummy, you're this dumb athlete, whatever. But so it kind of shocked me a little bit. And then certainly your career. Uh, I remember going into Philly. Steve Shutt threatened to shave me my rookie year. I'm on the back of the plane with him. Flower sat right behind me, and I'm next to Shuddy. And he said, we're going to fucking shave you, blah, blah, blah. And I said, here's the deal. Shuddy, I'm going to tell you right now, you shave me. I said, I will fucking take your legs out from underneath you. You'll never see it coming, and it won't be on the ice. So he's like, now he's starting to think, right? This fucking kid ain't fucking around. And I never got shaved. So I went to <laughs> Philadelphia in a preseason game, and I went to the barber shop and I had him shave my fucking head. And I showed up to the um, the game with my head shaved. That was smart. That yeah. was smart. So and I, <laughs> then <laughs> then I went out in the warm up with the shaved head, skate patrolling the red line, and I patrolled it so so close to being over the line. I ended up in three fucking fights that night. And Kenny brought it up earlier to me. I forget who I fought. Ben Wilson, this one, that was fucking crazy. And all out of the game I went, but uh, I'll never yeah, forget that. Was that. that was my introduction to Chris, Tim, <laughs> was this guy shows up and, and he, you pretty much went after, you went after them. You didn't just wait for something to happen. You went and picked three fights. And uh, it's like, oh, this guy wants to play. Well, that was your first year, Chris? Yeah. Was that your and you that was just right out of college? Like no yeah. I mean that's that's pretty <laughs> Well, yeah. I had already fought in the American League quite a bit, but I not Okay, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, yeah, I still. that's where I learned to fight on the ice. I didn't I didn't learn to fight in the ice in college for sure. So but that's where it all started. And um, you know, those are buildings and that that shit's real, that flyers flew that they talk about, the Philly flu, and, uh, you know, going into Boston. Fucking guys get scared because they had tough teams. They, they're blue-collar towns that demand – they demand that type of fucking team. And It was amazing. It really was. I mean, you know, watching Philadelphia and Boston play and then going to Philly and then going to Boston, I mean, it was – it was just understood that the – toughest guys were going to fight it was at least three fights probably every game and it would be a pecking order almost and uh it was just it was wild those were those were great games and fun to play in fuck weren't they like it's crazy tim like you know it's just crazy today something happens like a couple nights ago kenny i don't know if you saw what happened toronto ottawa did you see it no. All right, I'm no, going to explain it. Too many other games besides, you know, the Bruins, unless it's on TNT or ESPN. Well, what happened, the Battle of Ontario, Ottawa against Toronto. Toronto's up. No, they're down four to three. And they pull the goalie. Kid from Ottawa, Riley Gregg, gets a breakaway on an empty net. He gets to the fucking hash marks. And he winds up and takes a slap shot and fucking drills it top corner. While Morgan Riley's chasing him down, and he swerves off into the corner, and then Riley comes up and fucking cross-check him in the head. And in like the whole <laughs> hockey world, I know the yeah. whole hockey it's world like a, is like he's a murdered. Yeah, it's like yeah. A murder. <laughs> yeah, it's like someone got fucking murdered. And I'm like, first of all, I, I mean, my take is that's something I never do. I wouldn't do the slap shot but I cross-checked the guy in the head. And a yeah, lot of people I mean, say, well, that's a good thing. So what? He's, he's sticking it to the Leafs. Yeah. What do you think of that? I, I, um, I mean, it was the way I was raised and the way we played. You didn't, you didn't do anything or say anything, um, you know, to embarrass the other team. Uh, yeah. Because if you did, you know, that there was something's going to happen. And, and certainly like shooting the puck into the net after the whistle or yeah. uh, there's a dozen situations that it just didn't happen or, you know, there would be guys coming over. And so it, it is a little weird, you know, you have all these, you know, well, what would you do if somebody went and did a lacrosse goal? 
I, oh, fuck. Going to crack in the I break their arm. He punches the TV head. every time someone does it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it is pretty cool that, that they can do it. I Like, I'm impressed. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is, seems like showboating. Um, but, I mean, you watch guys like uh, I saw a replay this morning on NHL Network. Uh, he was, you know, putting the puck in, you know, an area about like that from from the goal line, kind of shooting it almost at his head, and it hits the guy's shoulder and pops in the net. Guys do that stuff all the time now. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, the game's changed for sure. They there's not much fighting. There's there's not much hitting. I think a lot of times guys aren't prepared to get hit, you know, and you're yeah. allowed to hit. And so they have their heads down and they get smoked. My first year, I think I went up the middle for a pass and had my head down, uh, head looking back for the pass and got my teeth knocked out. And I remembered never to do that again, you know. But, um, <laughs> but it's different now. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what really to say to it all, but... It's, it's a good game still. It's fun. It's exciting. I would like to see more physicality and more forechecking. You know, the playoffs, like the way Florida played, that's generally how, you know, hockey was played in our time, I guess, you know. Yeah, for sure. If there's one team that kind of exudes that, it's that team, um, for sure. Now, um, do you think – Today's game, and I want to get back to your stuff, but today's game, the red line uh, being out, none of these kids, they don't know what a fucking red line is in a two-line pass or any of that stuff. Do you think that could bring back that style of game? I don't know. I, I uh, Probably, I guess. You definitely want more pressure. I, you know, I... Um, I wish they wouldn't blow the whistle all the time, you know, if, you know, if uh, the guy's not going to get back there in time. Like, I I get not hitting somebody from behind. I, I certainly support that not happening. But, you know, you have way more pressure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a pressure game. I mean, that's what the Bruins do so well is they pressure all over the ice, you know, as a group. Maybe not that physical, but um, but pre- pressure is makes for a competitive game for sure. You want it back, Nux? You want the red line back? I, I think it would help create a lot of that stuff. And in in you know, I I think these guys are so fucking good with the puck today that, and I've heard, I've I've heard Bobby say it that they're that good that let's see them come up the ice together and pass their way through that neutral zone and get into the fucking yeah. offensive like zone. There's not, not much creativity, I guess. Everyone just fucking flies and, you know. Yeah. If you want to and the it, league, right? like, the league wants speed, right? They want speed. And they don't want the rivalry games. They don't want the fights. They don't – because if you have those rivalry games, fuck, we played each other – you know, four times in preseason, then four times in Boston, the regular season, and you guys played four times in Montreal. By the time playoffs came, we wanted to fucking kill each other. You know, it was like it, they created that atmosphere, and I don't think they have that anymore. The league's certainly expanded. It got too much, and and I, I think the red line, it just, yeah, it makes the game faster. It doesn't necessarily make it better. Yeah, a combination of all, I guess, would be my vote. I'd like to see it more physical, probably. Uh, You know, not not necessarily more fights, but certainly more physical. And fights usually come from that. But um, along with all all of the great skills, you know, now, now most everybody can really pass the puck well. And that wasn't the case, you know, when we played. It's kind of like you can't pass, you can't play, which I've always believed in, but it's it's true in today's game, it seems. Yeah. So those four years in Philly, and then you go off to Edmonton, um, and you win a Stanley Cup. Was uh, How was that, playing with the Gretz and everybody? Like, I mean, that team was a powerhouse team. 
You know, what, what's cool, I guess, and, and yeah, it was an amazingly talented team, but so many good guys and uh, so accepting. Like, I walked into that room and Mark, Kevin, and Glennie kind of surrounded me and just started hugging me and, like, you know, you're, you're part of our team and um, uh, very open to to whoever, you know, and, and Glenn Saylor, he, he let all those guys develop. In fact, when we lost to the Islanders our first, my first year in yeah. the finals, you know, then he was like, okay, he hired Roger Nielsen to break down the tapes. And our game plan the next year was take the puck wide, shoot it at the net and drive in for the for the rebounds because you couldn't make a play into the, the slot. You know, they were the first team to really collapse way before, you know, it became, you know, usually the, the wingers would be up on the defense, right? But everybody yeah. would collapse. So you could never make a play and they would counterattack and they had so many great players. Um, that's how they would beat you. And, you know, it was my, the year we won was my third Stanley Cup final three strikes and you're out I'm thinking and uh, and they were all against the Islanders um, wow and the first was in Philly when we we set the record for 35 games without losing and I think it's still a record in sports but uh, we took a bunch of penalties in the first game in Philly they won and we got to game six there if we won that we probably would kill them in game seven at home but uh there was a really blatant offside that Leon Stickle had missed, unfortunately. Great guy. Um, and they scored. And I, I think that either took it to overtime or was the overtime goal. I don't know. But um, so, yeah, when we, we won the cup, I was I was more relieved than anything. Just like, thank right. God, because so many great players, you know, never won cups. And. I just it would kill me not to have won a cup. Just right, and because you're listen, not, you know, you, you do all this, and coming in second place means nothing. You know, you got to win. You got to win yeah. your last game for it to really matter. You know, for your career that you actually did it. You know, we're part of it. And, and it's funny you say that because I tell this story, but you know, like Lanny McDonald, the last game won a Stanley Cup. Ray Bork, his last game, won a Stanley Cup. Not many guys go out that way. I came into the league. If I left school a year early, chances are I would have been there for that fourth cup in Montreal. Good chance I would have. Yeah. Didn't happen. I come the next year, I think I'm going to get a cup. Nada. Nothing. Now, 86, we know what happened in Edmonton, Steve Smith scored that. Well, we took full advantage, and thank God that happened because yeah. I probably would never have a Stanley Cup. Uh, that one in 86. So say that doesn't happen. 92, I come back to Montreal, and I want to play one more year. Demers doesn't want me. He wants Rob Ramage. Fine. I retire. I wanted to go out with the jersey I started with. It was a great honor for me to do that. Yep. They win the Stanley Cup that next year. So I bookended my career where I could have maybe. Imagine if I don't win that in 86, I'd be ripping my hair out thinking I should have left school. I shouldn't have listened to my father. But to have that one, it's fucking incredible. You yeah. know? It's funny when you say about your dad because my dad, well, I, while I played junior, I went to the university in our hometown, Queens, which is a – I think it was the top university in Canada, or one of them anyways. But I I kept going to school because he was like, well, what happens if you don't make it or any of that? And uh, I remember my professors, and I got my contract in the mail, and it was a million dollars, which was a lot of money back then, uh, to sign underage. And he's telling me that I should stay in school. It's <laughs> all of it. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, I, I can go hire somebody to teach me if I want. And it's funny. I did hire a Wharton professor once to teach me some accounting stuff so I could read financial statements when I was in Philly. But, but yeah, my dad, my dad was encouraging. And I think it was, you know, after my third year of junior, I was, you know, I have attention issues and I was getting almost bored and kind of wasn't getting any better. 
Um, and he, you know, I think between all of it, he's like, you need to go now, you know? Yeah. And, and you did, you challenged that you end up going. Um, and certainly what you did in your career is incredible. So that Stanley cup in Edmonton, you win after being there twice and not, um, Again, that relief because yeah, I what can't was the Im- difference though? Was it was it just be Gretzky? Was that like the biggest difference? Like how you know what I mean? Like what was that, that Tim? Like with that third year winning with Edmonton? I mean, you lost twice with Philly. What was the difference between the teams? So once in Philly, once in Edmonton. Then the the two years I was there, oh. we went to the finals both years. Yeah. Um, the second year we won. Um, Got gotcha. you. And the second, and uh, well, well, part of it was we, you know, we we matured as a team and actually tried to, you know, play in a way that was going to help us win. You know, where Roger Nielsen was like the first guy to do videotape and say they hired him, and they broke down, you know, the games, and we had a a game plan, and and it never was that sophisticated anywhere I played to that degree, and. You know, once we got ahead, you know, the Islanders had to open up, then then it was open season, you know, and I think we beat them in four, either four straight or five games. But, um, uh, you know, for a team like Edmonton to, to be taking the puck to the outside and shooting it on the net, you know, sounds crazy. And we played four lines also with all those great players. Um, but you got to give Slats a lot of a lot of credit for all of that, and, and for letting everybody's skills mature. You know, by the time I got there, I had already been in the league five or six years. But like Mark was just starting to come into his own. Like Mark and Glennie were my wingers. Um, you know, we were the second line, and I think we had 140 goals between us. Um, but uh, the next the next year, I got hurt, and Mark moved to center, and I pretty much became a rover, and had a really good playoff. But um, I knew my time there was done because you got Gretz and Messier. You know, I'm not going to be you know top six four uh, centerman. So, yeah. so that's how I ended up in Boston. Yeah, and you end up in Boston. You did, and you ripped it up there in Boston every year you were there. Um, incredible numbers, like, uh, like just really point of game guy again. And, um, you know, it couldn't have been more fitting. I mean, Philly, yeah, but Boston, man, they, they wrap their arms around you, uh, like they do all their players and just tug them in and, uh, you fit right in with that group. There's no question. Um, and what is it? And I look back, Philly, Edmonton. Now, I can guess maybe Edmonton, why. But why, why do you reside in Boston today? Well, actually, New Hampshire, but you basically stayed in the area. Uh, well, you know, I was uh, actually buying apartment buildings with a guy I played with in Birmingham, Joe Norris, in San Diego. I was spending a lot of my summers there. But when I was getting ready to have kids, it's like, I can't raise my kids in California. It was just, you know, it was just not. I'm, I'm an East Coast guy. And uh, even though I love the weather and everything there, um, I needed to raise my kids back here. And I used to come up to New Hampshire. I started surfing well in San Diego. So when, when I came to Boston, I was able to surf also. And I would come up here and surf in the morning, maybe before practice. Never surfed on a game day or anything, but surfing's my addiction, my passion. And uh, New Hampshire, Maine really reminded me of Canada a little bit and really good people. And um, I love New England. And, you know, this is kind of where I retired. So um, that's how I ended up staying. And, you know, it's it's been great. My kids... Uh, grew up in a really nice community they're great kids and um and we love it here it's like the surfing community is almost like a hockey community you know everybody's really close everybody watches out like none of our kids you know got in trouble really and they're all ended up good kids because everybody's you know supporting each other all the time so very you fortunate still surf? do you still surf today oh yeah yeah I, wow 
I've surfed uh, eight of the last ten days here. I have a house in in Puerto Rico too, and I spend a lot of time there in the winter. Um, going back down probably next week. Um, but yeah, we'll surf in the middle of a blizzard where all of the hair in our face will be covered in ice. <laughs> uh, we don't care if the waves are good, we go. Like we might end up surfing later today if the wind switches. We're in the middle of the nor'easter right now. Uh, and it's funny. I played some alumni games with Kenny when I was living in Boston, and <clears throat> we've had the chance to talk and have a relationship away from the rink that <clears throat> every time we do, we have really good conversation. But Kenny would come into the alumni games, Tim, and because he wears a wetsuit and the, mat, uh, the, the hood while he's surfing, he'd come in and his fucking face is all bright red. <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah. This whole bit, and the rest of the body's just fucking white. You got this big red face, and that's it. But, um, yeah, that's cool you do that. People find that crazy, like people surfing in the middle of the winter. But, like you say, um, that's your addiction. And if that's the one you have, that's a good one to have because I had some do other ones. This, what, do you prefer surfing in the winter, like this weather? Or do you, like, well, we have way less people, and the waves are better. Like, uh, I mean, we had some 20-foot perfect waves, I don't know, in December sometime, just before Christmas, that broke for like 400 yards perfect. Um, so in, in the summer, everywhere in the world now, there's way too many people surfing. So if you're you're all out in one spot, it gets kind of a pain in the ass. In the wintertime, it pretty much comes down to the core guys. Um, so it's, it's, it's less crowded. So those years with the bees, um, and and then you go back to Philly. How was that? It it's was it. It's just not the same, right? When I came back to Montreal, it was. Listen, it was Montreal. The jersey was great, but it just wasn't the same. Yeah, it was. It was really strange. I, you know, I was very fortunate playing for, for Philly. You know, Boston and Edmonton. I think along with Montreal were the top winning percentage teams during my career. So I got, you know, Milbury took over as coach and that wasn't going to last long. Um, and when I got traded back to Philly and I got there, they were fighting to make the playoffs and didn't make it. But I'd never been in a situation where um, guys were kind of worried about themselves, which is a natural instinct you know, then what's best for the team. Um, and so that, that was just, it was just all really, all really weird. And, um, because fly, the Flyers had always had great teams, you know, and, uh, and yeah. I don't know what happened there, but, um, but anyways, it was, it was a tough, you know, it was, it was in January. So I wasn't there that long. Um, and then I went back to Edmonton the next year, which was even crazier. I was making a full cycle. Um, All right. But yeah, but uh, you know, uh, you know, Rick Tockett and Craig Berube were there, and I uh, really enjoyed my time with them. And great guys, and it's, it's been yeah. cool to see them go on and do some coaching, you know, and uh, and you know, Chief win that win that series with St. Louis, unfortunately against Boston, but. Um, but great guys, and, and they, you know they were they were still focused on like what's best for the team, you know. And um, yeah. tough guys, that's kind of part of their role. It's like taking care of everybody, so it's maybe more of a, a natural instinct. But um, but yeah, it, it was it was it was unfortunate, really, and not not a very good experience because we didn't even make the playoffs, and I didn't do much to help the team get there. So. Yeah. So um, I got to ask you the rivalry, Canadians and uh, the Bruins, and haven't been part of that a few years. And um, certainly my years there, we playoffs, we always ended up coming out on top. And um, I don't say that in a cocky way and, you know, fuck you. And, yeah, no, it was but, a fact. They, yeah. Go ahead. Um, nope, and and I've had guys on here. I had Terry on here. And Terry is the also. I was a Bruins fan growing up. I love the Bruins. But, boy, that changed quick once I got in the league with the fighting and all the shit that happened over the course of my career. 
But if there was somebody I actually felt bad for, it was him. Yes. You know, because of what he put into the game and how the fierce competitor he was and he wanted to win so bad and he always got that close. And then you talk about guys not winning the cup. That's the guy you wish you could see win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know, all of us that played for him, Ray, you know, you could go down the line who our favorite coaches, they'd say Terry. And I got to play with him and he was a great player. And playing against him, you like you never wanted to look him in the eye. I mean, he he and Clarky, I would put there as the most fierce, over the top competitors. Like t- t- <laughs> I always say to Terry, the uh, you know the Monty Python where the guy's losing his arms and legs and he's still yeah, coming yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah, like that's Terry. That's Terry. He was fighting that. His last year, we're in Calgary. He's got his shoulder in a sling. It's separated. And Dale Hunter does something to somebody. And Terry wants to go fight him. And I'm like, don't. No, don't. <laughs> so he's standing there, you know, letting Hunter take swings at him with one arm, taking a shot so he could hit him with his left. And uh, an, an amazing man, um, smart, um, Tenacious, just yeah, he yeah, he's I love him. One of my favorite people on this earth. Yeah, he is an awesome human being. It's funny. Um, he told a story on here, and we I brought it up because uh, I had both guys on. I had Ryan Walter on. We're playing in Boston, and him and Ryan, boom, they went at it. They dropped the gloves and they start to go. And Terry Shoulder came out, and Ryan knew, and he stopped. Yeah, Ryan, Walter, Ryan Walter was in, invited, the only guy who didn't play for the Boston Bruins who was invited to his jersey ceremony. Terry flew him in, had him come. I, I was like, but that's Ryan. Yeah. I know Ryan. Ryan's a, like a friggin' sweetheart. He's like the, yeah. he's a, he just a beautiful yeah. yeah, beautiful human being. And Terry recognized that and had him there, which was so cool. I thought it was so cool. So, um yeah. what do you think what do you think Chris about the way guys fight now and you know, they stop or if they've got somebody down and and they could hurt them and they stop hitting them. Or the, you, you, think, you see a lot of like the patting on the back, like "good job, buddy." You know, yeah, it's, that it's, very, it's much <laughs> different, right? Yeah, I, I, go ahead. No, no. Well, I'm, I'm kind of asking you the question: what What you think of it? I mean, you and I maybe more so than most would lose our shit. Maybe um, those guys obviously aren't losing losing it, you know, too often, and it seemed it's just it's just different. Yeah, I think they worry about it a little bit. But, and honestly, when I fought guys, if I had them down and got them down, I wouldn't hit them. I'd sit on them, or, but yeah. I wouldn't hit them. I remember Pat Price, I fought him in Quebec. I hit him, he went down, and I just skated away. I think you see that in, in, in a few fights where I got the edge like that and I had a guy down, I wouldn't hit him. But, yeah, I mean, I've been in, you know, I get the – I remember back in the day, sometimes there'd be an extra little claw in the face or you'd be someone trying to fucking gouge your eye or something. They were so angry. But I got that, too. You know, I understood that. Guys would get so pissed. But today, I guess, when I look at it, one, it's it's no fun to do. Like, no, it, like n- not no God, fun yeah. to do. It's, it's just guys aren't sure, I think. They're worried about the instigator, the extra penalty. And there aren't yeah. as many fighters, right? There's not as many fighters. And, like, is there and, anyone in today's game, Chris, that you feel like could have played back in your day? Like, had maybe that? I, I don't. Even, I can't even. Think oh of yeah, like Tom, Tom Wilson, Wilson right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tom, Tom Wilson, well, Reeves. Yeah, Luchik, Reeves. Um, all those guys. Any of the uh, Delorier is a tough guy in the league. He played in Philly. He's um, yeah. Another tough guy could have played in our era. Um. It's funny, like, I hear, like, oh, I, like Rick Middleton said, I couldn't have played today. I, I don't believe that. I believe if he was a kid and he played hockey in this era, that he would have rose to that. 
You know, I, I just truly believe that. I don't know what he's talking about. No, nobody had better hands. I mean, one-on-one, <laughs> -on -one, stuff he used to do. He didn't even know what he was doing. You know, you ask him, he had no idea. When I came to Boston after I played with a lot of great players in Philly and Edmonton, and I'm watching Ricky, and my brain's like a computer. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I was learning stuff watching Ricky play, you know, day to day. Um, amazing hockey player. Yeah, we had him on here, and he was he was awesome. You know, we talked about funny, the yeah. whole incident between the two of us, and uh, we finally put that to rest. It's funny. I reached out to him. I said, listen, we got to talk about – I left him a message. I said, we got to talk about when I hit you. And he said, Chris, yeah. he left me a message. He said, listen, we don't have to talk about that because, you know, I've already apologized. And, you know, I had apologized to him. He said, I've accepted your apology. We don't have to go back there. But we did have to go back. I said, listen, we have to go back there because I have you on and that doesn't come up. It looks like I'm hiding from it. That's and why you started the podcast. You, know, we so have you can to, bury the hatchet. Yeah. So you can bury the hatchet yeah. with like a thousand guys. Yeah, we, we know why. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> but you're right. Um, yeah, it, it's been awesome. I, I love talking to guys I played against for sure and guys I play with, but you're one guy that uh, certainly I – mean, we've connected a lot of times when we've been together. And I remember we were, the night where we were in Nantucket, we were at the chicken box. Remember that yeah. night? <laughs> that, was that what the hell were we doing down there at the same time? I can't even remember. Uh, it might have been It might have been an alumni, not just brooms. But is yeah. it, did, did you get in the brawl with Steve Rooney there? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My buddy John Kane, my partner, was down there with us. He ended up in a, uh, in a bed and breakfast place with some girl, and he came upstairs, and, and the dad was chasing him out of the house. And it was <laughs> oh, uh, shit. Yeah, I, I – uh, not to get all mushy here, but I, I've – I was really glad that I got to know you and, uh, you know, we have some similarities and, um, and I, I think you're a great guy and, uh, I'm glad everything's going well it. for you. So I appreciate it. And likewise, um, you know, way back in 84, there was a sports illustrated article about, uh, how your agent said you were such an astute businessman. And, um, you know, I think back of my career, and it's hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I I was so focused on hockey, my job, I didn't have time for the other stuff, I thought. But maybe I just wasn't smart enough or disciplined enough to do it and didn't have the direction. And I'm not making excuses for myself, but I look at South Boston, okay? When I was playing, you could get one of them, you know, six-deckers, uh, uh, triple-decker over there for – for oh, fucking God, six, yeah. 60 grand. Okay, just yeah. buy one of those knuckles, you know, maintain it, rent it out. And I never did. Today, you you know, it's like half a million dollars. I mean, $5 million for a, a place like that now. And you were smart enough to get in there. Where does that come from, that discipline to do that? And, and that I, I'm going to start now while I'm playing. Like, that's so cool that you did that. Not a lot of guys do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go there. Before I even go there, do you remember when I was, you know, I was right age preferred developer and we were, they bought Brooks, so I was down in your, your home market there and I called you. I was like, so where do you live here? And you told me where you lived and where you used to shoot yeah. bucks up against the little school next to you and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of memories. Um, so, well, one thing, you know, I... Uh, I, I have a hard time focusing on something unless I really like it. Um, all the downtime, you know, during, during traveling and, you know, hotel rooms and my mind, I just, I needed to be doing something. I needed to be using my brain. You know, I didn't, I didn't work on game days, but I also knew that I just didn't have the makeup to work for somebody, you know, the only person I've ever worked for really is my coach and, I was talented enough that I, you know, 
if I didn't like the coach, I wasn't going to stay there. I didn't care. You know, I couldn't deal with somebody that was treating me, you know, or whatever anyways. But yeah, uh, I got you. I, um, I, so I, I knew that I needed to, um, to make sure I had enough money, um, you know, so when I was done playing that I didn't need to go work, though I ended up going and working, uh, you know, developing real estate. It was, um, it was just part of my DNA. My dad was, you know, buying uh, homes, you know, multi-family homes in uh, Kingston and renting them to the Queens students, which he taught my brother how to do, do, did really well. So I kind of got, I just got attracted to making money anyway, how anybody made money at something I found very intriguing. And, uh, you know, I just tried a bunch of stuff and, you know, I was lucky enough to get good advice. I got incorporated. So the teams would pay my company and, you know, I could have my own pension plan. The NHL would be contributing three grand maybe to your NHL pension. I was putting 25 grand in, able to write it off. And, um, I, you know, I just, I, I guess I learned early too, if you don't understand something, don't invest in it. And uh, I just enjoyed it. So I, uh, I go for you. Was, was working at it. And so, what, you know, when the season ended, I was looking forward to being able to just use my brain and, and see what I could do, you know. And when my career ended, um, same thing. I was like, all right, now let's go see what I can do, you know. And, and it was, you know, that dumb hockey player thing also, you know, would really piss me off and, uh, and wanted to, you know, show the other side of that because, you know, most athletes are pretty bright and pretty determined and business is no different than hockey. You work hard at it, give it your best and pay attention and determine and you're going to succeed. Making it in professional sports, I think, is way easier than making money. Yeah. Did you start that early, like really early in, in the career? Yeah, yeah. When I, well, wow. yeah, when I signed at 18 and, and then the next year got incorporated. So at that point, I could, you know, write all this stuff off and I was buying art and antiques and and like, I don't know if you remember when junk bonds got created that Michael yeah. was sent to jail. Um, you know, I, I understood what was going on there. Um, you know, companies buying another company with, you know, high yielding bonds and it just kept going. And, you know, now we have a, a family, you know, family company that my son's doing most of the hard lifting. And we invest in all kinds of stuff. You know, we probably have 25 different things that we're passive investors now, but we still, you know, do our developments. Um, like we got 32 townhouses going in, uh, in the back of our Rite Aid, uh, development. But, um, yeah, so when I retired, I went from apartments to, um, to retail really, and really like location, 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 and then the credit of a national tenant, um, backing up the lease, you know, where you could get the best financing and blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, it, it's funny. You called me that time and asked me about that piece of property at the end of my street. And it was a, it, used to, it was an international house of pancakes. They tore it down. The lot was empty. I think now it's condos. Is it the condos? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, there was a yeah. Rite Aid not that far away, I think in Roslindale or something. You know, it's funny. All the pharmacies down in, in those areas are closing them because of all the theft. Right. Uh, Crazy. You're hearing it all on the news. But, um, but yeah, and, and I think there was a Chinese restaurant there. Um, yeah. And we we're trying to find out who the owners were to see if we could relocate a store. Yeah. Crazy. But, um, yeah, Kenny um, – Good stuff, really. Um, awesome to chat with you here today. And I just, uh, I got a, one more thing I want to ask you. And, um, you know, yeah, awesome career, great career. Stanley Cup, you're doing great in business. You're living a good life. And um, um, I want to ask, and usually someone else writes our eulogy when we die. Okay? <laughs> when you die... Someone's going to write your eulogy. But if you could write your own, what's the first line? Uh, 
I don't know, man. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Because dying sooner than later at this point, or at least we're in the last third of our life. Even yeah, we well. are. Uh, uh, love to win, I guess. Would do anything to do that. Anything to help a teammate on or off the ice. Um, and, um, yeah. That's cool. But it's been a good life, no complaints. Made lots of mistakes, but um, wouldn't change a thing. That's well, good. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> 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 Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.